Well, welcome into the Dubcast, Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter. Oh, it is football season, my friend, and it is a beautiful yeah. thing. This is the official kickoff. If you find yourself, I believe, at McCormick Place at the, is it a Hilton or a Marriott? It doesn't even matter. <laughs> it's some sort of place where writers get points. Howard Johnson. Is that what it is? I don't know. Uh, you have a nice view of the city of Chicago. It is Big Ten Media Day, and there is nothing quite like it in sport, aside from maybe SEC Media Day, which the Big Ten Media Day is basically like um, the the sane version of SEC Media Day, which is just complete nonsense. Um, right. But this, we have our own set of nonsense. And, Johnny, i, I got to tell you, this is the first time in years that I have not gone to Big Ten Media Day. And I did – It's kind of sad. It is, man. Like sad. I did kind of find myself going – you know what? I um I should have had I should have went over there. It would have been fun to just kind of poke around. It is always such a it's cool to see all the people who cover the teams uh because most of us, you know, are kind of a brotherhood. We kind of all get along for the most part right. and there's a lot of give and take back and forth. And um and so that's cool. I always look forward to that. And then it's always just cool to like get you get such great opportunities to talk to these coaches and these players um in almost one-on-one settings. And so you kind of get to know people a little bit. And of all of the things that you do during the course of the year, there's plenty of it from a media side that is redundant and repetitive. And Big Ten media... By design, though, absolutely. right? Like, that's exactly what they, they want. They don't want us to know anything. We are not on their side, even in the case of us. We kind of are, you know? I mean, like, right. We, we adamantly root. Um, and really, everybody on the Ohio State beat is pretty uh, pretty favorable of the, of the Buckeyes. It's a tame beat in that sense. There's not many people on the beat who are out to get anybody. Most people uh, outwardly root or about as close as you can be. Um, but it, it is a cool thing. And you do get a chance to like talk to these people and get to know them. And it's something I always look forward to. And I got to tell you, buddy, I did miss not being there in Chicago a little bit. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that I, mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? Like it's the, it's the tame version of SEC media <laughs> day, but, but, but it's also like, in my opinion, a little more like snippy, a little more backbiting sometimes. Like it feels like it's it's a bit of a click that kind of goes on a little bit, and you kind of see that in the conversations that coaches have. Like they they needle each other a little bit, and I, I enjoy the very midwestern passive aggressiveness <laughs> in the media days because it comes out every year. Yeah. There's always some kind of little snide comment about the way somebody's recruiting mm-hmm. or how somebody like approached another guy. And it's just, I, I love the snippiness of it. Like it's, it's very, very, very like just high school, teenage girl type stuff or not just girl, boy and girl, frankly, because high school teacher, I see it from everybody. <laughs> Um, it's, but yeah, it's, it's just a really like, it's, it's a teenage kind of thing going on. And I, I enjoy that a little bit. When you see the thing, the other thing is, is, you know, the first year that urban went, he was such a rock star. I mean, oh, yeah. I remember being there when, uh, Jerry Emig, the SID does a great job as he's walking him in and it was like the room stopped when urban <laughs> walked in, you know, it was like, it's Nobody like the Undertaker kind of coming in during like you know SummerSlam or whatever right. you know exactly. in the 1990s. Like, oh my god, look who's here, the Urbanator. And and so you know that first year that he went, um, I had covered him a little bit in Florida, so I knew how he was. And I was, if if those of you who remember me on radio when this was all going on and the possibility of hiring Urban became real, um, I became I, I'm so in the bag for him. I just. I, I just loved the way he coached at Florida. I knew it would be immediate success. I, I remember saying, even way back then, it's Don Draper selling Mercedes-Benz. Like, that's how easy this is going to be. It'll be right. easy. And um, and so, but a lot of the media who was used to Tress didn't know how to respond to Urban uh, because Tress would meander, um, uh, you know, on his answers. 
and and he, it was it was boy he could filibuster like nobody I've ever seen. And Urban is so direct that I remember that first media day like people kind of being put off, not put off in in the sense that they were feeling disrespected, but almost shocked that he right. actually like answers your questions. You have a question, you will get an answer. And that was right. that's so great that we have a coach that's like that from a media standpoint, us covering him. And I imagine from a fan perspective, too, that there's no sugarcoating with the dude. Yeah, I don't think he has the patience to be diplomatic. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I like I just don't know that it's in him to be able to do that. I, I think he just says, well, this is how I feel about it. And I really don't care how people react to it. And I respect that in a lot of ways. I think that's pretty awesome. The fact that you would be willing to be that frank about a lot of different things when you've got a job that kind of relies on you, you know, doing a lot of subterfuge and trying to work around things like, yeah, whatever. I'll just tell you how I feel about this. And that's really refreshing. That's a cool thing to say. You can only do that if you win. That is, that is also true. Can, that is also extremely he true. He can do it because he's so damn good at his job. And, and yes. that's why he can do it. Um, right. To, for those Daryl Hazel isn't coming out and like you know throwing truth bombs at people. No, and that right. makes me so. I'm, we'll talk about that a little. I'm so sad about what's happened to Daryl at Purdue because I mean, the, yeah. those of us around the program knew that there was a, a, a I don't know, it wasn't really, it wasn't public, but it, many of us thought that there was a transition that would go from, you know, from Jim to Daryl. Like that's the way right. we thought it would go. Uh, that was a natural progression, and then that whole thing got blown up. And you have a great year, you know, at Kent, and then. And then next thing you know, you're, you've, you got a Big Ten offer, and, you know, he jumped into something that, gosh, I, you know, I just With think. With no support. I mean, and that's. It's a hard we, job. I, yeah. Vico and I actually had a really long discussion about uh, Daryl Hazel and, and what Purdue's like and this their ceiling and, and the kind of support that he gets. I mean, the dude, I I think, again, I like him as a person. I don't know that I like him as much as a coach yeah. anymore. But on the other hand, he has almost no institutional support. It's and so when you don't to have judge. that. I, I mean, you can't judge. How do you judge somebody on coaching at Purdue? I mean, there's so many right. jobs in the Big Ten that are just dead end jobs. You know, I mean, I saw Lovey, who's a former Bears coach, played in, you know, as a Bears fan. He took us to a Super Bowl. And um, I saw him, you know, him at Illinois. And it just makes me sad because I just, you know, Purdue, Illinois, those jobs, I don't know if they'll ever be what they once were. You know, I don't think. Well, right. And that was my argument that I don't know. I mean,. I think at a certain point there is a carrying capacity for Purdue football. And unless you find a guy who can really kind of change the game, like literally, right. Um, you'd, like they were able to do in the early 2000s. Joe I Tiller. Think, yeah. You'd have to pitch and catch 60 times. I mean, I think Tiller had it right. right. And they ran him. Didn't they run him? I mean, yeah, I mean, he did it the right way. And, then, <laughs> and they replaced him with a guy, you know, who was essentially his clone, right? Like, uh, like, you know, you ever seen yeah. multiplicity yeah. where like each clone gets progressively worse. That's what that's that kind of like, that's a good way. That's that. kinda, I feel like, I feel like Danny Hope was kind of like the third or fourth yeah. clone in that series. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. So you're uh, going back to big Ten media days, you go and you meet these guys for the first time and you gather impressions of them. And I remember right. the first time. The, so the way it works from the TV side, that every time I went, the TV would get these guys for 15 minutes. And in many cases, uh, I would be able to interview these people by myself. And I remember talking, meeting uh, Brady Hope for the first time and and talking to Brady and just thinking, holy cow, is this guy out of his depth? <laughs> like they have hired Tommy Boy. I, how did this happen? Right. How did Michigan hire Tommy Boy to be the, the – I mean, he was such a nice guy, Johnny. Like I don't want to miss character. He's a great guy, sure. nicest guy ever. But this guy was so clearly out of his depth, and he was trying to do all that Ohio nonsense. And I remember just like kind of laughing at it, like, "Is this dude serious? Like, is this, 
is this really how it's going to be? And then so to go from that, and, and you kind of bring it full circle, like when we got Urban, and to see Harbaugh in that Michigan hat. Oh, Jesus. With a suit and yeah. tie. Like, I mean, <laughs> there was a tweet. Somebody was like, somebody put out a tweet about Harbaugh and the suit and tie and the hat, it was, which was like, you know, when your mom wants you to wear a suit to church, but you <laughs> are able to compromise somehow. <laughs> well, and in a way, don't you think he kind of is like an eight-year-old? He is. He's exactly like you an know, eight-year-old. You know, he's drinking and, and gallons of milk. He's, you know, it wants to play everything. He wants to wear jerseys. He's like my four-year-old. Right. That's what my four-year-old does. He wants to drink milk, wear jerseys, <laughs> throw first pitches, play catch, run around in the sun with a ball cap on. I mean, he's my four-year-old. Yeah, and it works, though, because, I mean, people see that energy and they're drawn to it. And you can do it two ways, right? You can be Urban Meyer and you can be, like, super, like, borderline autistic and be really, like, you know, serious and dead set, eye on the you know ball at all times. Mm. And then you can be hardball. But the point is that you still have that enthusiasm and that passion, that drive that keeps you going and going. People are attracted to that. There's no Kids doubt. are attracted to that. They want sure. to play for a coach who has that kind of energy. And let's separate ourselves from it and also realize that it's a really cool brand. They've yeah. got great uniforms, a ton of history, a ton of money, a good school, a uh, and now they're going to have Jordan on their jerseys. So, I mean, they have a lot of Am- things. And Amarillo – Amarillo. Uh, is that the official color, color now? That is the official color that they have They have. Prepared, I thought they yes. got back to the maize. Wasn't that the whole point of going back to it's, Nikes? Because they couldn't use maize I mean, it's with the, the same. It's the same color, but it's it's officially, I believe, Amarillo is the, oh, uh, God's sake. the title. <laughs> God. Well, Very appropriate for a, a Michigan school. That's right. I I, either way, I'm always of the, of the belief uh, where this rivalry is concerned that we need a legitimate Michigan. I have no interest in watching 100% agree. the Michigan yes. that I watched for the time I was in Columbus, which was an irrelevant, pathetic Michigan. And yep. we can't go around saying we have the best rivalry in all of sports if we just beat them up nine times out of ten and they're not competitive. Oh. I had this exact same argument uh, with somebody a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Do you know how many times we've played Illinois? Because it's over a hundred right. at this point. It's a great. No one get. No one cares. No one gives a crap about us going to Champagne for the turtle. Like I love the turtle. All right, turtle. I love Villa Buck. That is one of my favorite things about Ohio State football. But nobody else does. Right. And it's because we beat the absolute crap out of them every year. Yep. Almost every year, yep. except for my last <laughs> my last year at Ohio State. But yeah, no, in order for it to be a rivalry, they have to have taken something from you or there has to be the fear right. that they could. Um, the reason it was still a rivalry in the 90s, despite the record that that Coop had against Michigan, was because Ohio State went into those games ranked in the top five. Like how many times they were great yeah, teams exactly. and they, exactly. they took something from you. So that made the rivalry even more intense. But the, the last few years, I mean, from from Brady and Rich, I mean, that clown show. I, you know, to the, I'm just happy that I think they're way overvalued this year. I think Michigan's way overvalued. I see a lot of people. I think the most um, more bets have been placed on Michigan to win the national championship than anybody else. That was last week. I saw that. That's that's silly. more money on Ohio State than anybody else, but more bets placed on Michigan than anybody else. And I right. I just think like they're just way overvalued. Like to me, they're like Ole Miss a couple of years ago when everybody thought they were going to win the national championship with Jevin Sneed or whatever. You know, I mean, it just it's just too much too soon. He'll get right. there. I trust him. You see what he's doing in recruiting. I think he's a great coach, but it's too much too soon. Uh, but it is yeah, great to see him. Great. Like I would have loved to have stood across from him with that with that ball cap on and his suit. I mean, it's just it's a tremendous <laughs> look. It's just a tremendous look. Well, and that's and that's the fun of Big Ten media days. And again, like I said, I like the I like the sniping, I like the backbiting. Again, you know, there is the issue of James Franklin and, right. and the negative recruiting stuff. So let's for people think, who don't know, let's take the you know, if you haven't caught up, you're just watching the podcast. 
So the way this happens is James Franklin was quoted. You, know, you correct me if I'm wrong. I just want to lay this out. James sure. Franklin was quoted. That it's a two-part quote in a whole paragraph is the way that it reads to me. And in part of it, he's talking about the battles they have in recruiting, that it's tough. That they, yeah. that, that, and this is when the latest stuff with Sandusky and Paterno came out. He's like, we can't ever get out from under this, is basically what he's saying. And at the end, he says, you know, the people we're recruiting against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, they, essentially, par- I'm paraphrasing, they don't have to deal with that. Right. And somehow, and I don't know who asked the question, uh, maybe you do, I don't know who asked the question, but somebody asked Urban about negative recruiting against Penn State. And if you read the whole paragraph, I don't think James Franklin is insinuating that Ohio State is negatively recruiting against them. And yet, so, it got asked today. Yeah, and here's the thing I would say about that. It, what The exact quote from him was, um, the people we're competing with, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, this is, not, this is just not something they have to deal with. Right. Although we want to move on, those other schools are not letting us move on. Um, I think in so many areas we can be really, really healthy in 2018. So I think that part, you know, that other schools are not letting them move on is the the part that people really focused on and kind of ran with and said, well, you know, James Franklin calling these other schools out. Look, I would not be surprised if that wasn't used in some way against Penn State. I'm I don't, sure it I, was. Like, I don't think all is fair in love and recruiting, buddy. Right, and I don't think it's something that you know Urban Meyer is going out there and harping on. Like every kid who's thinking about Penn State is like, right. oh, Jerry Sandusky. I don't, I don't see that happening. But he could have his I lieutenants think, doing it. I mean, they could say well, it. I mean, you, it, yeah. does, it doesn't have to be a big conversation. You just right. say you're going to want to go there. Look what happened there. I mean, that's easy. And, and honestly, frankly, like they deserve to have that thrown back in their face. Right. I'm sorry. Why is that so bad that like one of the worst scandals in college football history can't be brought up to any kid if they're considering that program? No, it can be. Like, I, of course it should And be. I actually don't think that, but I didn't read it that way. The right. way that I read it, and if you read the paragraph before that leading into it, the way that I read it, the way I would take what he meant there was those people don't have to deal what we have to deal with. Sure. In other words, they don't have to worry about combating this. They don't have to deal with it. They're not letting us forget it because they don't have to deal with it. That, yeah, and, I don't and, necessarily – and somehow this gets to be a question to Urban today, and he's like – he says something along the lines of, well, I'm going to deal with that. That's a serious allegation. I'm going to talk right. to James about that. And then they did speak, and then Urban later said, I'd like to talk to the person who asked the question or the person who wrote that or whatever. And it's just that in a way – and we've had issues with Dennis Dodd and some of these other uh, – I can't remember the clown. Matt Hayes. Oh, my gosh. What a clown. <laughs> Just such a clown prince. But I remember – We're going to have him on next week. Oh, great. I'd love to. And no, I don't. That would just be ridiculous. He's a gator. <laughs> and and that, there's no – you know, nothing behind that. Outward. And, you know, I remember one time at Big Ten Media Day, you know, him kind of like lurking in the background, like wanting to – waiting for somebody to ask Urban the Florida question so that he could write sure. something about it. He never once had the stones to ask himself. And right. that's the thing that bothers me. If you're going to – if you go in with an angle on Urban or Jim Harbaugh or anybody, then have the stones to ask the question yourself. If you go in there knowing what your angle is, then damn right. it, you better have the stones to ask the question. And too many people don't. And a lot of them are national people too. It's not very it's not always the local guys. A lot of times it's these national guys who cherry pick at the back end and and already have their column written or just looking for a quote to make noise. And so this recruiting thing with Penn State and Urban, it's all straightened out. It's you know, it's fine, but it kind of in yeah. a way is a nutshell of the absurdity sometimes that happens at Big Ten Media Day. 
Right, and as you said, he clarified his quote. He, he basically said that they were two separate things. He had to end up going to Bruce Feldman, right, to to do that. And right. I think you're right. I think that that's maybe why some of these coaches are so guarded. We haven't even talked about the players yet. I mean, that was the other thing. Like, they select who comes to these things so incredibly carefully because they know that they don't want to bring in a wild card. They want to bring in a guy who's going to be extremely temperamental and, well, not, you know, just like, a good temperament, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they lose their um, personality. They, they're they almost yeah. like they've been hit with a stun gun. I remember they, when they had to pull Bradley Roby because of that nonsense in Bloomington. Right. You know, he was supposed to come over, and Bradley was such a likable guy. And, Johnny, the sad thing about that is is, jo- is that Bradley then had a negative view of the media the rest of the year. He pl- yes. The rest of the year he had a chip on his shoulder where you'd go ask him yes. a question, he wouldn't talk. And it was all a big bunch of nonsense, you know, <laughs> like – we right. all had a great, most people had a great relationship with him. And that year he was so petulant because of that incident. And, and you're right. I mean, it's when you talk about like who they're trying to bring, I mean, they brought the three captains. It was an easy choice this year. Those are the yes. guys you want to hear. Um, but I do think one thing I will say about it is, is because you have so much time, whatever you need, you'll get from a media standpoint, you'll get anything right. you need out of them over the course of that time. Yeah, and, and the thing is, so I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks, and I I value the off-the-cuff stuff. Sure. J.T. Barrett, I mean, I love J.T. Barrett. I, I think he is an excellent leader, a really good di- guy for this team. Um, but his best interview ever gave was when he was talking about the weenie arm, right? Like mm-hmm. that's And that's, that's what people want to hear. So when you... You know, yeah. when you bring in these guys, I, I think you kind of get what you expect, and, and I agree that you're gonna you're gonna find the quote, you're gonna do stuff like that. I just believe that at a certain point it becomes so structured and so like you know exactly what you're going to get that the story becomes the stuff with James Franklin and sure. anything else, like anything any interesting. small thing that comes out, they're gonna jump on. Well, that, that that's what sports is. It's a, it's right. what's interesting. That's all it is, right. and. And unfortunately, the way that these these uh, athletic departments are so terrified of creating waves that they they want they coach these kids to not say anything, and it's it's not real interesting. And so that's how a Franklin thing happens. Um, honestly, I think we're going to get to a point in the not too distant future where there's just no reason to have availability. That, that honestly, like <laughs> I mean, that's I'm what coaches you. want, right? Yeah, for sure. That's where we're headed. Where the coach is the only one who speaks for the university. Um, if you want player sound, they'll put it on an FTP site online and you can get it, get it and quote that. Uh, yeah. I think it's coming. I mean, they just, they're at a point now where Ohio state doesn't really need all of the media that, you know, it's up to us to cre- continue to create interesting content, not rely on them for that information, but they right. really well, don't need us to push their product, their product. I want to use something. Itself. I want to use something that we talked about really briefly last week as kind of an example of this. And then I kind of want to maybe extend it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Brownsley Dunn, right, gets kicked off the team. Yep. And there are a lot of really terrible accusations about it. When we were recording this last week, yeah. we didn't really have much of the information at all. We, right. Like, it literally, like, as we were recording, this information was coming That's out. Right. Yep. And, th- I mean, what he did was was ridiculous. If, yeah. if What he's alleged to have done is, is just a horrible, awful, awful thing. And... What concerns me is that move to that kind of control over information. Because in my opinion, you need to show those 911 calls to people. People need to understand that that kind of violence happens mm-hmm. and that people are subjected to that kind of stuff on a regular basis. And sometimes, you know, it's because of people that you root for on Saturdays. And the more control that universities exert over their players or the coaches and whatnot, the less 
I feel that those kind of stories can be told. And, and we need to have that perspective because that is a man, that is such a terrible, terrible yeah. story. And people need to hear about that. That's something that I'm really proud of how we reported on mm -hmm. because we were very frank and honest and open about it. And I would hate for us not to be able to do that. Yeah, I think we're always going to have the ability to do that. I think that the university will always fight it and try to and not, I'm not this isn't singling out Ohio State. I mean, it happens everywhere. Sure. And I think. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I think in many cases, Ohio State is probably more of an open book than most places because it's a big city and it's easy yeah. to get to. And not everybody is a Buckeye fan, whereas, you know, in parts of the, you know, in Happy Valley and Tuscaloosa. I mean, who's going to say anything negative about Alabama and Tuscaloosa? It's not going to happen. Um, but I do think I, I <laughs> right. do think there could be some more transparency on that. I just, my fear is that we're just heading down a rabbit hole, and I don't know if we'll be getting out of it. I feel like we're that we're slowly, slowly linking, you know, almost to like, you know, like North Korea state news. I, mean, I think that's kind of what <laughs> big time college football is going to be because that the amount of mediums that they are a part of now and the way that they can control the message. What's the point in putting a guy out, you know? And yeah. so it'll be up to us to continue to, to create content that's interesting, and that won't be a problem for a site like ours. It won't be a problem for the, the talented people that we have and many of the other people on the beat. Um, but I do feel like we're headed there pretty soon. And I do agree with you that um, on issues like with Briante Dunn, on anything like that, I want to know more. Absolutely. All of the information has to be made public. Uh, these, are, these are not children. These are adults. They're not minors. Um, you know, those those that information needs to be out there, uh, certainly not yeah. victims names and that type of stuff. But uh, in terms of what happened, those things need to be out there. So uh, I I'm with you on that. One, one last thing. Yep. So if you ever get the chance, uh, Google the letters in a row, KCNA. OK. And then woolen underwear. OK, just just do it. KC, you don't do it now. KCNA. KCNA. Right. And then woolen underwear. Woolen Woolen, like I like believe a sheep? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, under. All right, okay. Maybe throw in the word mittens in there. I don't know. That might help the search. I'm serious. Right. I'm dead serious. I show this to my students all the time. We talk about North Korea. Just do it. It's great. Okay. Uh, I'm fast. Yeah, I mean, if it, if they weren't doing complete terrible atrocities, I, I'm so fascinated by the absurdity of that as well. Oh, it's it's absurd. All right, I'll look, I'll look into that. All right, should we bring on Eric? Let's bring on Eric. Yeah, let's do Eric. Let's let's talk to Eric here. All right, one of our I mean, I don't even know how to introduce my man Siggs because he was an intern of mine, and uh, I love him like this uh, a crazy uncle would love a little nephew, and, and yet he's all grown up, he's grown up as he's grown up. And you're doing a hell of a job, bud, and you make me very proud uh, to say, I'm sure he had nothing to do with it, but I, you do make me very proud. And you were at Big Ten Media Day, and um, tell, what did I always tell you when you were an intern? Tell me something I don't, I don't know. So tell us something that, that we don't know that happened today where Ohio State's concerned. Well, first of all, I, I feel like I, I owe everything to you in my career, Bo, just because watching you from afar, first of all, and then seeing oh, you and getting to work with you is a special thing in itself. But uh, anyway, so what? No, you can just you keep have... praising me if you want. <laughs> <laughs> People might lose interest. No offense. But um, I think that the, to tell you something that you don't know uh, from the Ohio State side is, you know, I really felt that. I spent an hour with Urban during the breakout period, and I really felt that the guy was kind of at peace with things. And, and I found it a little interesting because I was asking him about, you know, with Tim Beck's situation as far as what he walked into with the quarterback room last year and, and you know, with, with Ed Warner being down on the sidelines trying to call plays and then, hey, we're going to move this guy up and he's going to 
he's going to kind of take things over because we lost the game finally. You know, he seems really at peace with all of it. And I thought it was interesting because with all the talent that they put into the NFL, I mean, they, they really missed an opportunity, in my opinion, because they could have won two titles in a row. And with Alabama being the way that Nick Saban has that train rolling and Michigan rising under under Jim Harbaugh, you know, it's, it is it is a big missed opportunity. And But then again, you know, I, I do give Urban credit for kind of standing up again today and kind of saying in terms of what Tim Beck had to do um, with because he didn't know who was going to start a quarterback until mid mid October, you know, with any sort of consistency before they decided to make the move to JT and then JT got in trouble. So, and Urban said, you know, that, that one was on me. That uh, was, that was on me. And, and I've said that before and, and Tim, it was a lot on Tim and he told me that, and I kind of put him in a tough situation. So I, I gave him credit for that. Um, but it's, I don't think it really is an excuse as far as why they lost that game to Michigan state when they didn't have Connor cook, especially at home. But you know, that, to me, he seemed very at peace today, and, and I found that very interesting. That is interesting. Uh, so, speaking of interesting, what was the best interview you've had so far at uh, Big Ten Media Days? I, I would say J.C. Barrett. Um, you know, I, I spoke with both him and, and Pat Elfline for a while, and, and J.T. was, I mean, you guys both know, he's a pretty soft-spoken dude. I mean, he kind of has this, you know, simple demeanor where he's going to be a leader and going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to do it how he's going to do it, but he just seemed a little bit different than what I remember him last year. And I think a lot of that comes to, he doesn't have Cardell, Cardell Jones looking over his shoulder, worrying about, you know, whose job it is and anything like that. Um, but as far as today goes, JT was probably the best. He was very, he was very open and he was very easy to talk to. And I feel like that, that is what you want from your starting quarterback for one. And that's pretty expected with JT Barrett, but it was a little bit different than what I remember him just in terms of last year when, and how things ended because Cardell was, you know, still there. You know, Sigs, you said when you the two answers you just gave are both interesting to me, and, and the reason why is I, I just feel like – I know it's hard to be underrated at Ohio State, but I just feel like this team could make a real run. And, and when I hear – They could. I see the talent. We all know what's there. When you say Urban Meyer's calm like that, when you say JT is open like that, I mean, those are people that are at peace with who they are and what they have and what they're walking into. And and maybe in the case of Urban, he knows he's got some pocket aces in terms of the talent on the roster that's being undervalued. And um, if I'm a Buckeye fan and I hear those two answers and I know the roster, like most Buckeye fans who are going to listen to this podcast do, that puts me in a pretty good place to have a lot of confidence about this team. Absolutely. And I found it really, you know, Urban's opening statement, which he normally doesn't give opening statements. You, you, you know that, Bo. I'm oh, yeah. It Who's conferences. <laughs> you know, he, he's pretty much just says, let's go straight to questions after he yeah. talks about who's champions from that week or anything like that. But he spoke for a few minutes today, and, you know, he talked about, you know, we have 44 players on this roster who have never played a down in college football. 44 out of 85 scholarships. Yep. That's, that's insane. And, and But he was just like, you know what? We have it. And it would be a big deal if it wasn't talented. But we know what the talent is. We know what it is because we recruited it here. And it's it's very – it's going to do well. And, and, you know, JT was kind of the same way because I asked him, I said, you know, you, your four top pass catchers were not 100% during spring practice. That's kind of a big deal considering how much you guys lost with Braxton going to the NFL, Jalen Marshall going to the NFL, Michael Thomas going to the NFL. 
you know, how has that gone? And he's just like, you know, we, we put in the extra time, and I kind of get the sense that guys like that are really eager, and that's kind of what this team was missing last year, and it's back now. And and I wrote about it today, and, and you know, that's, they're, they're going to say those type of things, but I just kind of got the sense that they really they really felt that way, especially with how Urban just kind of was like, you know, yeah, we put all that talent in the NFL, but I got more coming because I brought it here. Right. Well, honestly, like, I feel like he enjoys that situation more than sitting on the top and trying to fend everybody off the top of the hill, if you know what I mean? I think no. he really likes yeah. that underdog attitude. So, I mean, that's good to see him chomping at the bit and, you know, making those kind of predictions about how good his team's going to be. Um, did you see, like, any other kind of, I don't know, interactions between coaches and players? And things like that? I know we, we talked a little bit about James Franklin and what happened, but is there anything surprising about maybe the way these guys talk with each other not being interviewed or anything like that? Um, not that I saw, but Bert Urban did talk about a, an exchange that he had with James Franklin uh, about the whole Penn State thing because he was asked about it in the breakout sessions about just – you know, did you address that with him? And because Herbert was asked about it at the podium today, and and I don't really know all the details of that story. I think a lot of it was taken out of context, as a lot of things tend to happen um, these days. But he said, yeah, I went up to him, and I just said, that's nothing that we had intended to get out, or we've never done anything like that. And James said, you know, I'm cool with that. And he's like, we shook hands, and we moved on. And I, and I would have loved to have seen the exchange just because – Franklin is he's in a totally different spot than what Urban is right now and just in terms of only being there for two years and seven and six seasons and everything that went on at Penn State and all of that and but you know it seems kind of like Urban is just like you know what I this is like a thing that's maybe on my checklist today I'm going to go do it and then I'm going to check it off the list and I'm going to go on to the next thing which is talking to the media for an hour which was a long time for anyone to sit at a podium with a bunch of writers like myself just around him but it's it is kind of how things are now, and it's it's kind of a shame because Michigan went on yes went and spoke yesterday because I would have loved to see Coach Harbaugh and Coach Meyer do their thing. But I did notice during what they do is they have all the coaches up there um, today in the early afternoon to take pictures of the whole conference coaches, and and Harbaugh had that that ball cap on all week I mean the past two days and and Urban's kind of like sitting there and I saw him kind of glance back one time because he just looked back at Harbaugh it was just kind of like just just to look and see him you know I mean like it's yeah. it's, it's the rivalry but you know the whole thing was when Harbaugh just crossed up to the state to the stage on Monday full suit and Michigan ball cap it's just like Sigs, whoa, do you man, come on. I think I told you the story when he coached in the, I was at the Super Bowl when he coached against his brother and his, I mean, like these are like NFL big media, Super Bowl media stuff, right? And even meet and greets with sponsors and big NFL sponsors. Harbaugh wore khakis, black sweatshirt, yes. cleats, black hat, everything all week, never <laughs> changed. His brother was in a suit and tie. Like he was the most awkward human being ever and i, I love it i just think he's the best character ever i'm so excited i was if we get him i was stunned that he didn't have cleats on uh the oh, last two days because absolutely I, when when he went to the breakout session I, I just went and stood by his table for an hour because i think he's fascinating and i looked down and was frankly disappointed that i didn't see cleats <laughs> but and, and when and, and his wife is pregnant and someone asked right. him about about that and i was like it's so terrible of me but the thought that went through my head is like 
holy crap, he's got to answer a question about like basically being a human because I don't really see him <laughs> as being a human because yeah. he's just, you know, he's a psychopath. And, and he just got so excited. And he yeah. brought up like they have, he told everybody that they have a meeting with the doctor on July 31st, which I was like, I don't really think that that's personal information that you need to, to divulge to anybody, but you did it anyways. And he's like, we're excited. And, and, and I feel kind of bad because, you know, Sarah got mad at me for, for telling everybody that the due date was this, but really it's around like it's in February, like close to signing day. And I was just excited, you know, it's just, it's an exciting time. And he like kind of stood up and he said it. And I was like, Whoa, man, like, let's just, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But great. It, the guy goes a hundred percent balls to balls, everything he does. And to a degree, you really do have to respect it. We don't want him pumping yeah, the brakes. We need him to pedal to the metal. Just keep doing it. exactly what he's it. doing. I'm. I just think it's fantastic. Uh, so I know uh, we wanted. We want to do. Uh, we want to get to Friday Night uh, Lights because I wanted you were there. I got five quick hitters for you, real quick. All right, Sigs. Quick hitters. Yep. Sure. You got me. Yeah. Best quote. Best quote from somebody other than an Ohio State athlete or coach. You don't have to say the quote, like, but it doesn't have to be from a, from a non-Ohio State player or coach. Who was the best quote? You don't have to give me the quote, but who's the most interesting quote? Uh, well, the easy one is Harbaugh. Uh, but I, I will go with uh, I'll go with Jordan Lewis, uh, Michigan's corner. Okay, he was. Uh, it's the first time I'd ever spoken with him. Uh, was was yesterday on Monday, and and he was. Uh, he looked me in the eye, you know, because I was asking yeah. him about, hey, did you come back to Michigan because you wanted to beat Ohio State and he just says, you know, Ohio State, they are what they are, and we're going to do what we're going to do, but we want to win all of our rivalry games, you know, because they lost to both Michigan State and Ohio sure. State last year. But uh, he was very concise, and he was very well-spoken, and I was impressed with him, I will say that. And the same goes for Jake Butt, too, but, you know, he, he's a Columbus kid, and right, he'll talk about Ohio State if you ask him. Uh, but Jordan Lewis was, was – I, I put him up there. I, I right. enjoyed talking to him. Who is the who is the coach that had the most false confidence? In other words, a coach on the hot seat that doesn't realize he is. Oh, Daryl Hazel. Oh my, that <laughs> poor Daryl. He is, yeah, poor Daryl. He I was just him. talking about how the three guys that he brought to Chicago with him, which this is very awful of me, and I apologize, Purdue fans. I didn't, I don't remember who they are, but he he said that those three. They guys don't know are who like, they are. Not only, yes, yeah, exactly. Right. He says they're not only the best players in the Big Ten; they're the best. Some of the best players in the country, and I said, Daryl, you've won six games in two years and two Big Ten games. Like, let's come on, let's talk about something here. You know, like it's it's not good. So he was just saying, you know, we we built something in three seasons. Excuse me, we built something, and sooner or later the trains got to leave the station. I said, well, Daryl, you know, you need to leave the station or else you're going to lose your job by Halloween. So it's he took the wrong job, Siggs. He took the wrong job. He did. He did. Right. Uh, I got three more real quick. Uh, player we'll be talking about that we're not from any from any team. Yep. I'm gonna go with uh, with Vince Beagle, linebacker from from Wisconsin. Okay. One because nice. he has a really really awesome beard, and okay. two because I think he's an excellent player, and he's kind of uh, next in line there with when they lost. Uh, his name is escaping me. The linebacker. Uh, Borland was it Bor- Borland? Thank you. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, a Kettering Alter kid. Right. Yeah. That, so I think uh, I think that's someone, and both him and uh, I'll put Indiana's Dan Feeney in that as well because he could have left for the NFL, and I think he would have got drafted off of the lineman. And he's a big dude, and he's a good player. So 
both of those guys. All right, best dressed Buckeye. I'll get you out of here on this one as far as I'm concerned. Best JT. Easily. See, uh, now this is why you failed your internship, because it's Raekwon. I saw what they were wearing. It's a trick oh. question, Seeks. Raekwon had a tie oh. I know that. I saw that, and I complimented on that. And you probably like this simple look, too, with, you know. You can't. JT was wearing a gray shirt. shirt. You can't wear a gray he shirt. He looks good, with a, man. With a charcoal suit. Listen, blue, light blue and white on dress suit shirts. That's the list. All right. That's all I, think, I got for I think, you. The quick I, I think I, I lean towards JT too because he right. had a little bit of a, of a different haircut. And he looked all right. You can bring cut. the hair I, into it. That's fine. Pat's Pat's hair looked good too, and I asked him if uh, if Miss <laughs> if Miss Lachey was the reason behind that, and he said, "Yeah." Wait, wait, so, wait. He's dating a Lachey. He is Emily. She is in school at OSU. Is that known? Um, I think it is for the most part. Oh my God! I I cannot wait to talk to Jim Lachey about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great! I how this we is, should do that. This, this should I be think the Emily is. I think she's the youngest girl. Oh well, but uh, yeah, she's oh, she's great. nice. I met her. She's very lovely and yeah. Pat, well, of course she would you know, be. Good for Pat. All right, I know Johnny uh, had go. questions for you on uh, Friday Night Lights as well. Yeah, real right. quick, Friday Night Lights. Uh, who really like you know maybe stood out to you? Just among for me, everybody was there. For me personally, it was the first time I had two things. I had seen Emory Jones throw, and I had also okay. seen Tyjan Ty Lindsay in person. And I will tell you, Emory Jones was the best quarterback at that camp. That's a very bold statement by me. It's a that strong doesn't, take, well, that doesn't, surprise me. that doesn't surprise me. But he, that, that kid can sling it, man. And right. he is smooth, and he, look, he looks like a good – like he just looks like a really, really solid quarterback. Um and Tyjan Lindsay, that guy is just on another level. Like, it looks like, you know, one of your top college slot receivers going against these high school kids. He's just, he's not the biggest guy, but he's quick in and out of cuts. He's got great hands. And you ain't going to get the ball from him when it touches his hands. And he's very fast. So both of those guys really jumped out at me. Um, I was impressed a lot with Emory because he was, putting the ball wherever he wanted to. It didn't matter. Everything he, he does is just like he glides. Like, I just, yes. I think it's awesome. What a, um, what a name, too, right? Emery Jones. Oh, yeah. Right. Me? Yes. Absolutely. He's going to win a Heisman somewhere with that name. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, another thing is, you know, Ohio State's recruiting class, obviously, is just getting bolstered over the course of the entire summer. Uh, who do you think is, as of late, the best addition to that uh, that class? Still? Yeah. I'm well, sorry. I, what did you within say? The last, within the last few months here. The biggest addition? The biggest uh, or best last couple months, yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think that Chase Young won from Friday Night Lights is a big addition just because right. he was like, uh, I've seen him ranked as a five-star, high four-star, whatever you want to say. He was, uh, okay, he's a defensive end, and he was the only defensive end that Larry Johnson in Ohio State was really going hard after. They kind of put all their chips in that basket, if you will. And seeing their reaction when he committed on the field, just, I mean, I'm sure that they react similarly to all big-time commits like that. But, I mean, Larry almost tackled the guy. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, LJ's not a young man anymore. So, to see him get that excited, I think that that – and just I'm saying that just because he's the most recent big-time commit that they got. Um, so, I, I would probably lean towards that because I, I think that that kid is going to be good. I watched him during trails and – He's got quick feet, got long arms. He, he's what you want out of a big-time defensive end. Yeah, I got to tell you something. I 
I think you guys just killed it on Friday Night Lights. I think everything went really, really well. Uh, really appreciate all the coverage um, that was on the best. site. Appreciate it. Hey, also, and I, I feel bad that we didn't mention this right off the bat. Happy birthday recently, buddy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you it was birthday. Birthday. Okay. Appreciate it. Engaged and now birthday. Like, this is really the year of the Seags. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm becoming an old man. It's right before your eyes, man. <laughs> God bless you, buddy. God bless you. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate yeah. it. No, it was great. I love talking to it. I love you guys doing great things for the Dubcast. I, I'll listen to it, even though I'm on it. I listen to it every week. It's it's good stuff. <laughs> hey, buddy, it's good talking to you, man. Same to you. All right, time now for Ask Us Anything. You have promised it to the people, and we give yes. the people what they want. I will. Uh, so the people have demanded that you know we answer questions that they have put to us about anything. Yep. And life, you know, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. I love it. You guys can ask us anything by hitting us up on Twitter at 11dubcast or sending an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Yeah. Uh, we're currently sponsored by the Dry Goods Store 11 Warriors, so check that out. Get get some nice gear for the beginning of fall camp and summer and football season, all that good stuff. So we got a couple questions. Usually uh, we get more on Twitter, and, and this is no exception. So I've got a couple here. I'm going to start with, uh, let's see, this is Gonzo Grover. <laughs> this is at Gonzo Grover. Wondering if we have a favorite club soccer team. Yeah, uh, Chelsea. Really? Yeah. Is there a reason why? Yeah, when I was uh, in the early 2000s, I was in Florida, and there was an Englishman who called me every week on Saturdays and Sundays for the EPL scores. At the time, not everybody had the World Wide Web, and so he would call me, and I would give him the scores. And I started to say to myself, you know what, maybe I'll just start to pay attention to this a little bit. And I was trying to pick a team, and I didn't want to pick a front-running team. And this was pre-Abramovich for Chelsea. <laughs> and so yeah. um, I picked a team in a city that maybe I would go watch. So I thought, you know, let's pick a London team. And Chelsea had a line, and they were blue and white. I thought their uniforms were kind of cool. Um, so I picked Chelsea, and then within three years, Abramovich bottom, and now it looks like a front-running team, and it's been a fun thing to root for. But what I would say to that is if you're going to pick an EPL team, like why would you pick Stoke, you know? Like right. If you don't have, if you haven't been born into it, have fun. With have it. fun. Pick a team that's going to win for crying out loud. So how about you? Right. Uh, so I was not. I didn't follow the EPL that closely, but I got FIFA 16 last year. <laughs> it changes everything. Team. Yeah. Told me to pick a team, and I said, well, all right. And then I picked uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So those, uh, I'm going with the Spurs on that there one. Um, no, again, no particular reason. Yeah. I, I asked London Twitter club. to help me out, but. That's a London club, so you could go watch them play at some point and go yeah. to London. That's a win. Yeah, I'd be down with yeah. that. And they, you know, they they're not they're not a great team, but they're a good team. Yeah, they're, they're top they're, five. Yeah, I mean they're they're not they're good, but not so good that I look like you know I'm a bandwagon. So right. I, I appreciated that. All right, next one, real quick. This is from at the uh, the real a lev. Uh, why does Herbie suck on Twitter? Bo, <laughs> uh, he's meeting Herb Street. Yeah, All right, this is, this is, he's in a no-win situation, Kirk yes. Street is. true. This is a man who is an Ohio State captain, okay? This is a man who bleeds scarlet and gray. But this is a man who gets paid an awful lot of money to do a job. And that job requires him to be objective, even though in his heart he's not. And I think on Twitter, um, he's trying to walk that line. And it's a tough one to walk. Right. He's trying. Yeah. You just you might as well just not walk it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Probably not. You know, I think he's a little too thin skinned. He's always been so good to me. I mean, I hosted his show a couple of times and he was so great. 
And any time right. I've seen him in person, he's one of those guys who remembers your name. He's a, you know, in that sense. Um, and I just, I think it's a, that's t- a tough walk to walk, you know? Um, yeah. and I, I think he'd probably be better off not doing it, but I do think he likes the interaction. He's a huge blue jackets fan too. Like he, I mean, and I know that it's, there was a time and it was like, you know, question if he's, you know, his Buckeye loyalty or whatever, but rest assured. I mean, he bleeds scarlet gray. His kids do. I mean, it's just a tough spot. Um, as for why, what was the question? Why does he suck on Twitter? I, I gotta right. be honest. I don't know if I follow him anymore. I maybe don't, I can't remember. Um, but I think I, I can't speak to why he sucks on Twitter. I don't know if he does, nor will I confirm that he does. My guess is it's just a tough line to walk. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't follow him on Twitter. I think a lot of big personalities kind of suck on Twitter a little bit because they, they try a little too hard, I think to, to take that television personality and put it on Twitter. And I think you just kind of got to go with the flow a little bit. I mean, if you want to be Jim Trestle quiet time, be Jim Trestle quiet time. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. But other people, I think try to have this persona online. Like you just, you just gotta be you, man. Like, well, and it's not worth it you. to him to even be on Twitter, to be honest. Right. I mean, what he's Frank, getting, yeah. no one's paying him to tweet. Like, Agreed. it's just not worth it for him to even be on it. If he, you know, I, he, when I used to follow him, I remember, and I, I don't follow him for any particular reason that I don't, it's just uh, maybe lost interest or something. But, you know, it was always, you know, he would do a lot of quote tweets and he would like retweet people who were mean to him and stuff. And it's like, ah, you know, if I, you're going to retweet everybody who says something mean to you or everybody who says something nice to you, you're going to spend all day retweeting and there's just no time for that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't. Somebody sent this, and I I lost the person who sent it, but I do remember the question. Do you have a favorite beer? Do I have a favorite beer? Yes. Okay. I'm not a beer guy by nature. Okay. I, I prefer whiskey, um, but if I do, if I drink beer, I tend to do I tend to do what I call a bloody beer, which is I pour tomato juice in it and I drink it in the mornings. <laughs> I've never heard it's of that. It's delicious. I'm telling you, uh, or clamato, either one. Um, okay. And so what I will find is a an American uh, Pilsner that probably beer people will say sucks, but I will take a Coors. I will take a I like a Miller High Life in the bottle, and I will pour mm-hmm. that in a tall glass, and then I'll put about two inches of uh, of blood in it, and it's a bloody beer. It's basically like a uh, a Bloody Mary with a beer. It's delicious. <laughs> I'm telling you. I tell you what, what the fresh L Montana stuff is. This we, Come I'm on. telling you, we will. I will. I did get it there, but we'll. I'll come to the tailgate, and we'll. I'll pour you one, and anybody else it. who wants some, I'll bring the. I'll bring. I'll bring the bloody stuff, and we'll pour <laughs> it in there. And I'm telling you, it's a delicious, delicious taste. I'll try it. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I would not say my beers come with tomato juice. My my two favorites that I usually go in. I like Duvel a lot. Duvel is, is probably my favorite. Um, I'm a big fan of Belgian beers and I really, really like um, like Irish Reds. So I know it's not like a sexy pick, but I still really like Killian's. Um, maybe even Smittix. Like I, those are just my kinds of... Like I just like the hard beer. Smittix is pretty of. good. I like... I, yeah. I haven't had that in years, but it's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. you are to beer what I am to bourbon. Yeah, well, I and think. honestly, like, like I, you know, you have a real... I, like, I love whiskey. I, those, that's the only hard liquor that I will drink. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like mixing drinks, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty decent. All right, buddy. Last question, yep. real quick. This is this is kind of a. I don't know that I should even be asking this, frankly. This is from Nate Mag, uh, Eleven Warriors' own Nate Mag. <laughs> uh, what's your take on the new class of Eleven Warriors interns this year? Uh, and what would you like to see from them? And then he he uh, added the other 11 Warriors interns on this question. 
Um, I don't know. What is your impression of, of these youngsters? Well, considering I, I know you have limited exposure to them, but and by limited you mean none. Like right. Zero exposure. Uh, let me tell you something. All right. Let me tell you something real quick. Yeah. So I met a couple of these guys. I was I was doing a fundraiser for my Pelotonia thing, mm-hmm. and I met them at Walt's Bar Land Grant. Okay. And they and this is this is gonna make you feel really bad. Okay. So they're on Slack, right? And they see all our avatars and whatnot. Yeah. And they were operating under the assumption that our avatars were essentially what we all looked like. <laughs> so I've got Jim Bowman as my avatar. Oh, God, that's amazing. <laughs> and they were like, we were expecting some old guy. And I'm like, you guys know who that old guy is, right? Oh, no. Like, no, no. We just thought he was some old dude. Well, then they should like, be fired. You're all fired. That's it. You're gone. So I want them. I want them all. This is what I want from you guys. I want you to study crappy coordinators from 2010 into the past. And until you get all those down by heart, don't talk to me yeah. at all. I think what at I, all. What, and really what I just to piggyback on that point, that's the correct point is to say that you all are spoiled because you have <laughs> urban right. and Ohio state. Uh, Jim Trestle spoiled us with wins, but that was a different era entirely. And you need to go back and enjoy that era. And do not come to us with anything until you are properly uh, have a proper enjoyment and appreciation for Jim Trestle, uh, three yards and a cloud of dust offense. And the punt is the most important game in football, playing football <laughs> and right. randomly opening the game in I formation and then running it into the middle and then going two out of the shotgun with four wide for no reason at all. And Nick Siciliano standing beyond Terrell Pryor and praying to God <laughs> he doesn't say anything to terrify him. You need to go appreciate that era before That's you right. can have any comments about avatars. And then go even further back, and I just two words: Tim Biakabatuka. Does he only oh, just look uh, that up? I know it's gibberish. I know it doesn't make any sense to you, Nate. But look, like, yeah. look it up online, okay? Yeah. And then, and then you'll feel the pain that I feel every single day of my entire life. That's right. You're over. Now, so those though, are all the right? questions. Let's ask us anything. They, they, we have asked and answered. Hey, did you see? We'll get out of here on this. Was is there a better? Um, picture than the one that surfaced speaking of Tress with Al Bundy. No. I mean honestly. No. Like of all the people, who who else would I want Jim Tressel with but Al Bundy? Yeah. There's nobody. Oh I mean that's it. That's as good as it gets. Married with children, you know, it's 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 legit. Can you imagine the amount of cash that dude's got? Married oh with children is still in syndication. If he had any points from a producer standpoint, I have to assume he did. And I know he's been the highest paid on the show he's on now. For 10 years, right? I mean, how long has that show been yeah. on? I don't watch it. Oh, forever. It's and it's in syndication. So you've got two shows in syndication going right. simultaneously. You're richer than God. Like, yeah. you win. Or at least close to Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Not bad. All right, buddy. That was fun. Um, and we'll be back next week for more fun games and frivolity, will we not? Absolutely. All right, buddy. Good time. See you next week. See you.